You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. The 602 Club proudly presents Snyder Cuts, a Zack Snyder directorial podcast, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me as he is every single week, John, why aren't you supposed to be in a black suit tonight? Uh, no, I'm out uh, being sniffed by parademons for my fear, actually. Uh, oh. It is a rather, it's a musky scent that can mm. attract them from across Gotham. Okay, that's what that smell is. That's what Yes, that it is. is. Yes, it is. It's my fear. Uh, that's my story <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. Well, we are back. Uh, and of course, you know, we have talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League and of course, to keep that episode at a manageable level, one of the things we did not do is do any comparisons or contrasts, really. Uh, as much as we could, we kept those to a minimum, and so we figured it would be a good time to look back at what came out with what has become, I wouldn't say affectionately known as Justice League. And so before we dive into that, though, you could find us wherever you get your podcasts. Huge thank you to everybody who's been supporting the show uh, through the 602 Club. We've had another huge month last week, month. We So thank you all. Of course, you could find us on Twitter at the 602 Club, and we're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You could find us wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Apple Podcasts, you're there. Give us a star rating and review, but literally just make sure wherever you get your podcasts that you're subscribed so you get the show as soon as it drops. Uh, of course, you could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm where we've got the listeners on the discussion group, the Babel Conference you can join, talk to listeners from all over the world. And then we want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers here uh, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, and Daniel Noah. We really do appreciate them supporting the show uh, and the network through Patreon. This is a big network, and there's no way we could do this without you. So uh, we ask you to go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of our team. So, John, both you and I were on the 602 Club review show for Justice League when it came out. Yes. And... I'm interested in um, going back just a little bit and kind of thinking back to that because I was thinking back to my review. I was looking back at uh, what I had originally rated Justice League back in the day on the old letterbox, which, you know, allows you to be able to know what you were kind of like thinking. And so for you, uh, rewatching the film, we both rewatched the movie. Uh, do you feel as though you are with this version of the film that you're kind of still in the same place or has that changed over time even before Zack Snyder's Justice League and or was it that you saw Justice League from Zack Snyder and now in retrospect you're like okay I, I yeah this this definitely isn't very good. Yeah, uh, I, I, my opinion of it has definitely shifted because of the presence of Zack Snyder's version. Uh, when it came out, I considered it bland, but, you know, inoffensively. So it was like, okay, yeah, it's not great. This is sort of flat and, 
you know, while it's not terrific, there, you know, there are a couple of yucks here and there. That's fine. And so, and I actually saw this with one of the, uh, the producers of the 602 Club, Davis Grayson, um, because it was released, uh, the year that I moved actually down here into, yeah, I remember uh, that. The, yeah, the current location of Castlevania. And I can tell you that we both came out of the theater and we said, you know, it wasn't great, but we enjoyed it. We had a good time. It was all right. Uh, I rewatched it, I guess, about a year or so ago, just to see, because everybody really rags on this movie a lot, and I rewatched it, and I think I wound up at the same spot, where I was like, you know, it's not great, but it's all right. Watching it this time, this is the first time I've come back to it since, uh, you know, seeing the, the fabled Snyder Cut, and what's interesting is, I, I don't... I've seen things worse than this. I definitely sure. have. I, I've seen things that work less than this. But what really struck me were this time around, what worked was the stuff that I knew that Zack Snyder had done. And then the stuff that Joss Whedon did stuck out like a sore freaking thumb at, in this one. It was jarring. And the the way the look of the movie basically looks like big budget television, as opposed to whatever you think of Snyder's cut. It's gorgeous to look at. It's a really beautifully photographed film, but just the way they overcompensated the saturation of everything mm-hmm. was, I mean, it's disconcerting. I mean, like, I really appreciated that this version of the movie and Snyder's version should be taught in film classes about what, like how much sway your opinion of a movie can have based on everything from score to edit to color saturations, everything like that. Right. Yeah. So obviously my opinion of it has lowered significantly uh, with this viewing and it, and it's because I can't watch it without comparing it now to what what its original intent was. Right. Uh, I'm presuming that you because I I seem to recall a text message while you were watching it that started with the words <laughs> bloody hell. So I'm I'm guessing that your opinion did not go up with this viewing of uh of oh of no the it absolutely cut. went up it was just uh it was astounding yeah just how much Toward it went up mm-hmm. it was <laughs> uh i couldn't believe uh what i was seeing you know uh and so uh no you're uh you're absolutely right uh, and I, everything that you said is something that i was thinking of as i was watching this movie i mean and and i wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you that question because it gave me the opportunity. One of the things that happened after Justice League came out is we began to hear a lot of things about what the movie was supposed to be, right? And even before that, you know, obviously at the time I was the bigger DC fan. I had liked the movies. I had loved Batman v Superman where you hadn't. I had loved Man of Steel where you hadn't. You know, you've come around more in the sense that you like those films, as we've chronicled here on the show, and and you become more of a fan of those. 
Yes. And so I was coming at this from a different place than you were in the first place. And so this was definitely something to where I was very much um, aware of everything that was going on behind the scenes because I was paying very close attention. And so kind of knowing the thought process that Zach had, kind of knowing where he wanted to go. And then as the movie came out and then the the years since, for me – even before the rewatch here, I've seen this, you know, um, I've rewatched this a couple of times and every time it's kind of soured even more. And a part of that is just having learned even more of what was supposed to come even before we got the Snyder cut. And so uh, my opinion went from it being basically uh, feeling like one of the animated movies, which it really does. Um, it moves so quickly and and has so little exposition that it it feels like one of the lesser DC direct to home animated features. I think we even kind of said that in our first review. Uh, and yet, I will be honest, this is something where I was really fighting. Um, in all honesty, this thing where I just didn't want to call this a turd. You know, like I just couldn't do that. I, I couldn't face myself, and so. Uh, and I couldn't really face, I think, necessarily what the movie was on a whole. Um, one of the things that you pointed out that I really like that you kind of went to immediately was the look of the film. And just absolutely how diametrically opposed it is to what Zack had done with his Justice League cut. And obviously, very different from the look that we had gotten in Man of Steel and BVS, which, you know, Zach is very controlled. We've talked about this on Snyder Cuts with the way in which he shoots a movie, the colorization that he uses for everything. Um, Wonder Woman even kind of matched that colorization. You know, uh, it fits very well within the Zack Snyder universe. And so um, I was astounded by just how much they, like you said, they had overcompensated. And I think you rightly pinpointed it's the saturation. They oversaturate everything, trying to make this as colorful as possible. And it just, it does feel very cartoony. Like, it just feels like a big cartoon. And that doesn't feel right for this movie, especially coming off the other two. Yeah, uh... <sighs> See, it's difficult because it's one of those things where I, I always, you always want to give somebody the benefit of the, the benefit yes. of the doubt. Yes. You always yes. do. I, I don't, I don't want to get on the same jokey stream that others can where Joss Whedon wanted to destroy things or he was this or that. I want to believe that he had the best intentions when he came to it. But the product here, I can no longer believe that completely. This is, I, I said TV, TV movie previously because what's awful is that my estimation of the stuff that I know that Whedon inserted is now making me terrified to go back and watch his Marvel movies because I'm, I, it's not 
it, it, you know, it, it's not scared, but I can't think of a better word because I'm scared because I really like the first Avengers movie. Didn't care right. for Age of Ultron. But I really like that first Avengers movie. And what I'm afraid of is I'm going to go back and rewatch it and say, oh, wow, this is he did the exact same thing with Justice League. And so then I have to question, did I, you know, will I wind up not liking the Avengers as much because I'm going to see the same sort of approach that he had? I, I mean, there are so many puzzling decisions about the edit about the pacing, about the coloration, about the score. There are things that I look at here and the, the phrase that propped to, that popped to mind while I was watching it was this, the experience of this movie now, the theatrical cut is like hearing a kid tell you the story of the movie that they watched. Mm-hmm. It's in the ballpark. It gets most of the beats, but there's something missing. It's, it's a, it's a childish interpretation of things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the humor, I, I was, I mean, at this point, it was so jarring because the jokes that I liked were all stuff that Zack Snyder shot. Right. And the jokes that I didn't like were all things that Joss Whedon did, especially some of the inserts that he did with Batman. It was mm-hmm. I, that that very first thing that you see pre credits, where he has uh, the great actor Holt McCallany, who deserved better than this, on the rooftop, looking at it, the dialogue, everything. All I could think of was the nineteen sixty six Batman series. It, it it was even a regression from Tim Burton's dark masterworks. I, I yeah. can't even. It made no sense. Yeah. Um, I think that I like what you kind of pinpointed there about the film, too, when you mentioned the humor. You know, one of the things that I thought was so interesting, and obviously we know about uh, what the, the studio execs were seeing with the Snyder Cut, is that they were they were thinking that this is too dark. They were thinking this is... Um, you know, this is too much. They weren't liking what they were seeing. And one of the reasons they kind of brought uh, another writer in, Whedon, before Zach even left is because they wanted it punched up with the humor, right? And, yeah, every joke that works in the movie as this version comes from Snyder and was in the Snyder Cut. Everything that doesn't work is something that got added in later and and feels juvenile. And that's one of the things I think, you know, when you compare the Snyder cut to this and you and you look at the difference, all the things that Zack did humor-wise all really fit within the film organically and mm-hmm. felt like they came from the character dynamics that he was setting up and part of that had to do with the pacing you're talking about. But yeah, the humor in this just really doesn't work. And I mean... The clearest example of this, I think we even mentioned this when we talked about the Snyder Cut, is the ridiculous insert shot of Flash falling on Wonder Woman and then getting up very quickly um, as if it didn't happen and then kind of looking around like, oh, did that happen? Did she see? Did she know? You know, like, it's just so childish as mm-hmm. a, as humor. And whereas some of this, the humor in the Snyder Cut is 
there's some silliness to it, right? Because Flash is a goofy character. It feels much more like a real person than just a one-track joke machine. Mm-hmm. Which are really the characters. Uh, Whedon always has one of those characters in his stuff. There's always the one-track joke machine uh, going along as sidekick somewhere along the way. This is restructured so much to be in in Whedon's comfort zone. I I will flat out, I will just go ahead and say it. two things. One, speaking of the humor, my friend Joey, he and I were talking about this and he had rewatched it. And he said, he, he specifically uh, called out, there's a line after Superman has come back where she says, you smell nice. And he says, mm-hmm. did I not before? And it was so unnecessary, especially at the moment it was happening. It undercut any sense of weight to what was happening. And that, and that, that really permeates the whole thing of the weight of everything. Like the full cut, the Snyder cut of Justice League, even when he's not in it, is about Superman. Yes. I don't know what this cut of the movie is about, really. It's about throwing plot points at me. And it's about... What else? I, I fam Like, the single only family in all of Russia that lives near a nuclear power plant? I... what You know, th- there's... There's so much, and the redesign of Steppenwolf is puzzling as well because he really lacks menace compared to the way he is in the Snyder Cut. In the Snyder Cut, he's this big, terrifying thing, and then you know that he's subservient to Darkseid, who makes no appearance in this, has absolutely not, except for one line where he says, for Darkseid. That's it. It's strange. It, it's sort of Avengers-ish, where, uh, where, where Steppenwolf is recast as Ronan. Yes. I, so one of the things that I think I really like that you brought up was the, the the Steppenwolf thing because watching this Steppenwolf after what we got, this looks like a Play-Doh doll. Yeah. Like this looks like uh so uh <laughs> I just visited your house uh last week we were together in person yes. which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh and your youngest daughter loves to play with all of her toys. She just dumps them all out and literally she looks like Steppenwolf looks like all of the dolls that your daughter has disrobed and plays with <laughs> there's a fair number of them it, yes. yes but she he looks as plasticky as that and it's just so strange because here like you said there's no menace to the character there's no that you're not scared of the character you're just like huh like this is the guy and and then by taking everything out with dark side and decide and all of that that we got in the Snyder cut there seems to be no understanding of who or why this guy is he literally is just something to throw at the justice league 
Um, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no menace to him. There's no nothing we're really scared of because, like, wh- why why would we be scared of this guy? Like, he's he's so cookie cutter. There's nothing to be fearful of that the Justice League is going to have any problems with this character. Well, I think even beyond that, he has this weird, there's this weird angle given to him when he talks about the mother boxes. And even the mother boxes themselves are, it's just, it's bizarre. It's just weird that they go so far as to have when the first parademon is destroyed, it leaves a, the image of three mother boxes. What? Mm. Why? What? That doesn't make, why? That, you know, like it, Knowing now about this great mythos, too, looking at the, I remember really liking, when I saw it in the theater, the part with the showing the old gods fighting Steppenwolf Yes, back in the first age and saying, oh, wow, did you see that lantern? Oh, wow, this is the Atlanteans. This is really cool. They're hinting at all of this big mythology that Jack Kirby broke out to get back at Marvel and and prove he could outdo them and all of this crazy stuff this is really limitless neat looking at it now compared to what was in the snyder cut i look at it and say oh this is all wrong this is just wrong 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 because dark side's completely removed Mm -hmm. the battle like the edits they make even make the battle make less visual sense. I, I and I'll I'll roll it all the way back to Steppenwolf's attack on the Amazonians. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we acknowledge you know, we talked about with the Snyder Cut was the fight choreography in that tight little space was beautiful. That was a really well done scene, you know, real sense of place, you know where everything is, you know, all of this big expansive uh, fight scenes and everything like that. And in this, it's cut down to, you know, like 20 seconds. It's like, oh, well, that that sucks. And it doesn't even have the the dome fall. He just cuts an X in the wall and blows through. And it's, okay, that's fine. It it just, it it feels so, so much less epic Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the biggest problem with the film is the ridiculous studio mandate of two hours this this story as we know is just way too big for that and so what we get is a pacing problem to which especially with all of the re shot the reshots the the and the re-edit of this film one the story makes very little sense like, you know, Zach clearly lays out, like you said in the movie, the, the whole point of the film is to get you to the point to which the team realizes they need Superman back. And the way in which that is done is very methodical. It's very well thought out. And we're giving a lot of weight to all of these characters and their experiences, but also the experience of living in the world without Superman by showing us that this team, even though it comes together, is not enough, right? And instead, in this movie, with its pacing and everything, um, we create this really weird uh, 
dichotomy between Bruce and Diana. She doesn't want to bring him back. Bruce does. And we create this whole guilt thing. And, and so it, what it does is it doesn't really respect what came before the fact that Bruce has already learned that lesson. Uh, and two, it doesn't really respect the character of Superman and or these characters who are going to decide to bring him back by allowing them to have the experiences that allow them to all organically come to the fact that, no, we must try to bring this man back or else the planet is doomed. Right. And and, and there's a sense of respect and, um, you know, trepidation rooted in the uh, they're in the Snyder cut. They're afraid of the implications. Everybody's completely aware. Flash says, uh, is somebody going to say it? I'm not going to say it. I don't want to say it. And they come to the, con- they come to the conclusion together. We need him back. That's the only way we can win. Whereas in this, it's, it was also stunning because with the mandate of two hours, I I think Superman's in this even less than he was in the Snyder Cut, like proportionally speaking. Obviously, Snyder Cut's four hours long and everything. But, like, he's he's not really in this movie, like, at all. And then, I, I know people bash the mustache replacement technology, and there are certain points where it doesn't work at all. But overall, I so long as he doesn't talk, it's okay. Um, but it still just sort of underlines he looks so different facially between the insert shots and what was originally shot that it's just jarring, especially when there are moments where you can tell the insert shot is dropped in bracketed between two things that were edited before. And it's just, it, it always, I always make reference to the Simpsons when they, they had the radioactive man movie and uh, the editor supposedly was going to save it when Millhouse ran, ran away. And, you know, they kept inserting Jimmy Jillikers from different scenes and it was very obviously wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I, I like, I don't, and, uh, another evidence of the problem is you can sit there and you can debate, and we did on the Snyder Cut version. You know, should it have remained Martha instead of reverting to Martian Manhunter, who spoke to Lois in the apartment? That's a worthwhile discussion. What's not a worthwhile discussion is what they reshot to have Martha and uh, Lois have the discussion, and and I think that scene in particular shows exactly how much soul they stripped out of this movie. They just sanded this movie into nothingness. Um, Almost like a carpenter, just, I'll just take a little bit off here, a little bit off here, and then when it's done, it's like, well, there's nothing special about this. It's just there. Yeah, I like that you bring up that scene because, I mean, obviously that scene is... We're brought into that scene with that ridiculous news footage that just huh. looks like it came from like Parks and Rec or something. You know, uh, it doesn't yeah. look like uh, a big budget movie and it, talking about some alien, you know, and this anal probes. And it's just like it's the worst again. It's the worst juvenile humor 
that you yes. can have. And then, of course, like you said, the conversation, look, you're absolutely right. You know, we, you can have the discussion about whether the Martha scene and everything that we get in the Snyder Cut, whether it do you undercut it with it being Martian Manhunter. But this scene completely undercuts the fact that these are strong, beautiful, confident women who are incredible and should be looked up to and instead makes them a running joke. Martha feels like she's drunk the whole scene and Lois comes off even like it comes off terrible. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, the jokes that they make at their expense sexually is, is, is inexcusable, uh, towards women in film these days. And so, you know, it's, it's, at, it's an perfect pinpoint to see the problems that would come out, you know, about, you know, Joss Whedon and, and his life and, and behind the scenes and everything, I think it's 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 the epitome of of what happens. You know, I don't want to dwell on that part too much, but the the thing that really jumped out at me is in the Snyder cut, we have it established Lois stopped working and she's going essentially to his gravesite every single day. And she still has the wet, the uh, the engagement ring on. And we know about the pregnancy test and everything like that. And we see a woman grieving with a broken heart, with a real dramatic arc. And here she's reduced to Alfred bringing the big guns. Really? They they take away all of Lois's motivation and character in this version. And speaking of taking away motivation and character, paying more attention to the music this time. When it came out in 2017, because I hated, I, I don't, oh, was it 2017 when this came out? Or was it 2018? It doesn't matter. It doesn't You know matter. what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. When it came out, um, I was a quasi defender of using the old Superman theme and the old Batman theme, because you bring it in Danny Elfman. I hated the theatrical cut of Batman versus Superman. Fine. Bring it in. Give me the warm fuzzies, the nostalgia, the score is one of the biggest signs of what's wrong with this version of the movie. It's, it, it, it's inappropriate is the only way I can think of it. And maybe that's just because I'm mentally comparing it to Tom Holkenberg's score for the four hour cut. But this time, and I guess I, I'm coming at it now, I, I guess you could say as a fan of Zack Snyder's work instead of a detractor. When I heard the old Superman theme over this Superman, my reaction wasn't, ha, the old Superman theme. My reaction was, this is not that character. This isn't right. This doesn't work. And then the Batman theme, this isn't Tim Burton's Batman. This, this theme doesn't work for him here. Why would you do this? And I like, I, you know, I, I'm fine with the reorchestration of, of Wonder Woman's theme, but then it gets abandoned after that first scene. And it's, that's a bizarre choice in and of itself. The character 
has a theme song, reorchestrate it, use different instruments, whatever. But you don't ditch their theme song. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that the, the score underlines all of the issues here, which is one of complete disrespect. You know, it, it's disrespect for everything that came before. And it's the studio overreaction. It's the Jeff Johns overreaction. It's everybody behind the scenes overreaction to everything. And it lacks the understanding of the fact that all of these movies have been slowly moving us to a place that is more hopeful, right? And yet they can't see that. And so they want to force the issue of hope into the film, yeah. right? And by doing so, they've actually ruined what they hope to do. And when you've seen the four-hour cut, you understand how it all works together and why everything has been happening the way it does. And that's something that I, I think is is so lacking for this film is that if you were to sit down and start to ask questions about all of the plot points, it just doesn't add up as to why things happen the way they happen. Whereas in the Snyder Cut, yeah, it's four hours, but you're never scratching your head going, well, I don't how, understand how that connects to that. And yeah. part of that is... You know, going a little bit back to uh, the pacing, this feels like a J.J. Abrams movie where there's so much speed, there's no time to breathe. And so since none of these these scenes have any time to breathe, none of these characters have any time to um, get any of their stories played out in any way, shape, or form that is rewarding whatsoever... Um, even Batman, who's probably given the most time in this, um, you're just kind of left with feeling like, oh, well, that was a thing. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I, like, I mean, it's it's very obvious where we stand with this stuff. And it, it it feels almost like we're like we're verging on the you know, we're on the verge of next stepping at this point. I think that the damage that this does to some people's reputations as decision makers is pretty drastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't even touched on cyborg's arc is unrecognizable. Wait, in he this was in this film? The movie. Well, I mean, forget that. Like it's completely neutered of any sort of, weight or import at all there's i i mean that was one of the most stunning things i think i said this when we were talking about um the snyder cut if i were ray fisher set aside everything else about what a jerk whedon was on set i'd have been furious with what he mm -hmm. did with my character i it's and boy yeah that booyah is just what like i don't know it just, it's so different. It's so yeah. out of character for the character that I know now. I'm not judging mm -hmm. the word or the phrase or anything. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't work for that. So, like, this, I think, is the ultimate question, right? Do you think Zack Snyder's name should have been on this at all? 
You know, I, I think Zach answered the question from a fan about that a while back, and he said, you know, the reason that he had kept his name on this is because of all the people who had put on in all this hard work beforehand. And, you know, I, I think it was a it was a way of honoring them. Um, but honestly, you know, I think fans are right to call this Justice League. This is not Zack Snyder's Justice League in any way, shape, or form. This is Joss Whedon's Justice League. This is, you know, Jeff John's Justice League. This is not Zack Snyder's Justice League. We've seen that, and the difference couldn't be bigger than night or day. You know, and one is day and the other one is definitely night. And it's, it's, um, so one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you a little bit, cause we, when we were together, we were listening to a podcast about this, um, and, and, uh, a podcast we both really like, uh, the sub beacon and the guys were talking about that. And I think it was, uh, JVL on that show who mentioned that this was, this literally was a franchise killer. Like DC yes. killed a franchise by putting this movie out. And yeah. I-, I wanted to ask you about that because do you think that's the case? Do you think that DC basically killed its, well, WB killed the DC franchise by releasing this movie and it kind of becoming the laughing stock of, you know, the comic book movie world? Yes. Yes, uh, because the only way to uh, make something work is course correct along the way. To show that you are so craven and clueless uh, as to what you really have is to do this, is to release something simply for the sake of releasing it or profit points or the sale that was coming up, you know, all of the behind the scenes business stuff. It, it makes them look terrible because of the fact that this is very obviously just something that a bunch of business people said, eh, sure, whatever. It doesn't matter. We'll write it off if it's a flop. And it it's, It's very obviously something, what is here that would give anybody a desire to see anything with these characters after this? After Avengers, which I did enjoy, I really like this. I want to see these characters some more. Sure, you know, give me another Iron Man movie. Give me another, um, you know, uh, you know, whatever movie. Uh, you know, in, in 10 years, give me a Black Widow movie. Yeah, yeah. But like, if you sit there and you look at this, I, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know these people. There's nothing about them that's, and it, it's even frustrating looking at Flash because at the end, there's this big thing. Oh, look, dad, I got, I'm in a criminal justice thing. I, I have no emotional sense of Flash for that to have. Uh, you know, any sort of import. And it's it's funny you mentioned the two-hour runtime because I think it's precisely two hours with the even with the credits. And it's like, and the stinger, which of course, 
that that's another indication of the fact that Warner Brothers is just chasing the Marvel money is, oh, no, no, we won't have this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, just turn it into a stinger. Turn it into a stinger. And it's like, oh, so you're just imitating. Like, it, it's seriously like, uh, you know, I, it, it's not, I don't even want to say Coke and Pepsi because they're both pretty good depending on your taste or whatever. But this is like somebody, this is like somebody releasing uh, uh, just an imitation Coca-Cola product that it's flat and doesn't have any sugar in it. This is like, like Mr. Pibb compared to Dr. Pepper. Okay, see, Mr. Pibb wasn't all bad. Oh, no. I, I my I my like wife that. my wife uh, holds to the hell or high water theory. Uh, so in that movie, um, he's like, give me, give me Dr. Pepper. So he comes back and he throws him a drink. He's like, what's this? He's like, Mr. Pibb. And he's like, what kind of a-hole drinks Mr. Pibb? And so uh, my wife loves Dr. Pepper. So that's her line now. If anytime I say something about, <laughs> so that, that's our, our, our stance at our house about yeah, Mr. Yeah. Pibb. So, but Fair it, enough. you're absolutely right that that's, that's the connotation that you get with this film. And I think, it it is interesting because even the characters to which we had seen before, whether it's Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman, you know, Batman comes off as the joke here in on all these scenes for the most part. Um, Wonder Woman's storyline is very much undercut as well. Um, and, you know, Superman, you know, he's back. It's great. You know, I'm glad he's back. And and of course, I'd love to see more of him as a character and everything, but there's so little weight to what's happening in this film. And part of that is because, you know, we talk about with comic book movies that your heroes are only as good as the villain. And yeah. one of the reasons you do that is because it has such a, uh, um, you're adding such a weight to who your heroes are by putting them up against something that's really really terrible and because you're only up against steppenwolf who has little to no motivation for being here other than he talks about wanting to go home a little bit and he has this weird relationship with the mother boxes i'm not sure if he's in love with them or yeah creepy is the word you're looking for yeah i know i mean was he watching the movie her before he arrived on earth i don't know (laughs) um but so because you've done all that, you, you really haven't given us anything to grab hold of with the heroes that we have in the movie. And, and again, you've kind of ever, everything just comes off as way too lighthearted because you've stripped all the importance and you've stripped all of the seriousness out of this and you stripped all the story out of this, all of the true plot points that actually make this work. And the plot points were all the character development that you had taken away. You know, I, I, I want to ask you this question because I know what my answer is. What is, with this rewatch, the one moment that really got under your skin where it, I, I actually had a moment where it upset me, finally, where I just, I want copies of this movie digitally erased. I want it overwritten by Snyder's Cut this movie has no business being out there. And there was one specific moment that made me go full on Stalin erasure for this thing. Um, 
Did you have a moment like that? Because I know what my moment was. Did you have a moment like that? Uh, you know, the moment that uh, came comes to mind for me immediately when you said that is where Bruce is like, I, I, I don't not like like you, yeah. and I was just like, really, really, that that's what we're gonna go with in this moment. We're we're, you know, it again. It was one of those places where we're trying to force what we want to happen without having any of the context to allow it to naturally get to that moment at the end of the movie where it's a Zack Snyder shot, right? Where he's like, how did you get the house back? I bought the bank, you know, like that whole scene with them works perfectly, right? And and yet we're going to force them into being friends before they're before they have the battle really before they're ready you know it just i just that part really got under my skin a lot of it got under my skin the moment where i got so upset that i uh i wanted to erase it from all of the memory banks and this is going to sound weird in the final battle with steppenwolf where they've saturated him into the blue and red and I know I'm looking at it. And I'm saying I loved this moment in the Zack Snyder version of him in the black and silver suit pounding on Steppenwolf and then blasting him with his, his uh, heat vision. And I looked at how they chopped it up, edited it, recolored it. And I looked at it and I said, this is beyond I'm, I can't, I can't do this. Like I literally just tuned out. I will never, ever watch this version again. Yeah. Period. Full stop. This enters the pantheon of movies like, I, I'm not saying this to anger anybody, but for, for me, this enters the pantheon of movies like The Last Jedi. I cannot foresee a future wherein I, I pull it off the shelf and say, yeah, I'm going to watch that tonight. You know, if it works for somebody, Great. There, there has got to be somebody out there. I know that there are five star reviews on Letterboxd for this version. God bless you. Wonderful. I'm glad that this works for people. Not a chance for me. Not at all. Yeah. I, I, I could have said the Russian family, but I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, how that takes I, away from you want to know. So you want to know something? <laughs> What's so funny is that I forgot they existed whenever they weren't on screen. And then they would come back and it would say, oh, yeah, them. Oh, yeah, them. And then it would go away and would do something. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. And then it would come back and it would go, oh, yeah, them. Like, it's so weird that this thing that was constructed specifically to go into the movie is the least impactful, memorable anything. I mean, say what you will. Zack Snyder puts everything in place with a purpose. Yep. There's a meaning. I mean, if I were Chris Terrio, gosh, I would be upset about what mm -hmm. happened here. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, you know, we, we, I think we might have mentioned it, but, you know, the DP for this film was yeah. basically in tears because nothing looked like he had shot it. And, and it's, you know, um, so one last question that I do have for you because it's something interesting. I was listening to a, a podcast, a very popular podcast up there, but I'm not going to say the name. Um, 
and they were talking about how they could kind of understand why the the studio had gone this way uh, and and you know, produced this film. And I I want to put you in in the seat where you're the person who's going to make you know the decision. Do you do this or do you just delay everything until? Zach and and you as the studio can work things out amicably and figure out how to make this work. I I'm fully aware why they didn't. So I'll take that whole merger with AT&T nonsense off the table. Okay, that doesn't exist. That's not a factor. I would hold on to it. I would hold on to it and I would say, you know, take the time you need come back when you're ready and we will do something or I would find a way to have a part one and release that and at least give me time to maybe have somebody that works with Snyder or had worked with Snyder whoever it is that would be ready to step up into the director's chair, come in and work out a part two and at least make it work. So by time, still have a release, have it be a part one, and then worry about the rest after that. That's, that's probably where I would have gone. What about you? You know, so it's funny because we know now the Snyder Cut existed. Like that Zach pretty much had most of what he needed, right? Um, And the, what took so long for them to get the thing back out, you know, and like to, for it to come out in November is all the reshoots they were going to do. And... Yeah, I think your solution of okay, let's let's do this. We'll do part one, and you can you know do two hours, and you can go till we get to that point where Superman needs to return, right? And then we can do the next part, and and you know we can have that come out six months later in the next year, you know. Um, and I think that just feels much better, and. If you put out that part of the Snyder Cut, basically, I think people respond much better because that there's so much heart there. There's so much mm-hmm. character development that's happening. And, and, and by the time you get to that point where they're going to bring him back, you know, you really are on the precipice. Like, you know, the world and the, not just the world, but the galaxies at stake, right? Like, we, we know that this is beyond our world it's it's the entire galaxy and you've built to that in just two hours but at the same time you've also built characters to which i think people would care about more and so yeah that's that's basically what i would do as well that or you know what if i'm the studio i just with the response that the snyder cut has gotten i just feel like Maybe you should have just said, you know what? We put our money in this pony, and we're going to keep our money on this pony. And we're going to stop overreacting 
Um, and that's just not what Hollywood's good at anymore is, is, is not completely overreacting. Uh, no, because, uh, you know, and, and the thing is maybe something good that can come out of all of this, I hope can come out of all of this is the return to the more auteur driven blockbuster that I know I was used to growing up with, with Lucas and Spielberg and even you, you sprinkle in a, you know, um, you know, a sneaky hit from a McTiernan uh, or Catherine Bigelow when she was working in a slightly grungier, um, closer to indie sort of vibe with uh, with something like Strange Days or Near Dark um, and just sort of lean into that. Maybe Maybe now we've got our real shot at that because theaters are hurting. And the blockbuster, you know, the, the blockbuster only feast and famine model can collapse now. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can see that happen. I don't think we will, but hope springs eternal. You know, I we never thought we'd get the Snyder cut. I'm not saying that I think we're going to get Justice League too. I'm way too much of a cynic uh, to believe that, but. I, I mean, you know, I wish I wasn't, but, you know, hey, not believing we were going to see the Snyder Cut worked out okay for me, so I'll, I'll not believe that I'm going to get his Justice League too. We'll leave it at that. You know, maybe, maybe that was the key, was that I needed to be, you know, I, everybody, everybody has that, uh, that sort of, um, that sort of superstitious thing where it's like, if I don't watch my favorite team play, they'll win the game, but if I watch, they're going to lose or some other sort of like weird thing. So I'm just going to do what I did last time, which is say, yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance it's going to happen and just carry on from there. So, uh, you know, obviously we don't have any rankings to do, but I am interested if you do have a rating for this. I do. Okay. I, I, I have a revised rating. If memory serves, even the last time I watched this, I gave it a two and a half. I was like, oh, you know, it's not too bad, but. Now that I have the stake by which to compare this uh, uh, hungry man dinner microwave Salisbury steak with that sticky, disgusting <laughs> cherry pudding, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going to end up with this one. Uh, just because of the Snyder footage that they kept, I'll, I'll wind up giving this a star. You know, how about you? Um, so. I this I'm ashamed uh I'm 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 rarely as ashamed as I am right now to admit I gave this four stars back in the day. Uh, but but see the thing is hope can cloud judgment sometimes. It's true. It's you true. Know? It totally it, it, can. It, yeah. Um So you've got your redemption arc right here. And how are you yeah. going to redeem yourself you for that? You had your one? redemption arc become by becoming a Snyder fan. I have my redemption art by trashing <laughs> Justice League, or actually not really trashing. I just think seeing it for for what it is, um, which is an unmitigated disaster of a film, and one that I would give one and a half stars for. And the only thing that I kind of liked that Joss Whedon had added was that one little scene after. Superman and 
Cyborg have split them, the, the mother boxes, and they both end up on the ground. And there's this moment where he's like, oh, I wish I was dead, you know, because of the, 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 the force right. of the, and I just like, that was kind of a cute moment. Like it, it, there was, a, it, it felt a little bit more organic, you know, and, and it's kind of funny, you know, because he just came back to life or whatever. And then of course, Cyborg's like, my toes hurt. I don't even know how that's possible. And I was like, that's a great, that's a nice little character moment between these two characters that, you know, but other than that, there wasn't anything that was added by Whedon where I would ever have missed in this this version. And I'll and, and like you, I have the uh beautiful Steelbrook version of this with Jim Lee's artwork. I'll keep it because it's got Jim Lee's artwork on it, which is gorgeous, but I'll never watch this movie again. It does not deserve to sully my Blu-ray 4K <laughs> player ever or my television ever again. Uh because I've I've got what should be there and you know hopefully we'll be getting you know Zack Snyder's Justice League on a 4k edition that's got the you know the justice is gray as well as the the colors version and so you know um yeah that's that's they were to that's it if if they were to release that they would probably raise enough money to make the freaking sequel so (laughs) you know I mean if they're smart they will so um you know gosh I just hope they put Zack Snyder's Just League in theaters because I feel like they could make millions easily on a movie that would cost them nothing to put in theaters. So, oh yeah, I mean, right, especially right now as everybody's trying to ramp back up, put it in there. Who cares if there's a four-hour movie running? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you got plenty of open theaters. (laughs) Well, it actually makes it easier for your staff to run the joint, right? Oh, hey, what's in theater eight? Uh, Zack Snyder says, oh, cool, cool. I, I can go take a smoke break. Yeah, exactly. We've you got know? like, uh, two showings of that today. So <laughs> let's go play some, let's go play some pinochle. Come on, let's go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, just so everybody knows then what we've got coming up, cause we've got a few more Snyder cuts coming your way. Uh, one, we're going to cover Sean O'Connell's book, release the Snyder cut. Uh, we're going to talk through again, because we didn't in the episode where we talked about the Snyder cut itself, we're going to talk about the movement that kind of brought this to be, um, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, John and I, I think mainly just cause we want to go, have a reason to go back and watch it. Um, we're going to talk about the, the justice, uh, is gray version um, which is Zack Snyder. He said, you know, the most ridiculous version of this movie, the, mo- the, the movie that should never exist, is this, you know, black and white version of the film. Um, I've seen it so far. I think it will be an interesting discussion because I do think it adds a fascinating discussion and a layer to the film. Um, so that'll be fun. And then, of course, we'll have Army of the Dead. Um that's going to be coming out there in May. And that'll probably be our last Snyder cuts for a while, just depending on, you know, what uh, Zach has for us next. But whenever Zach brings something out, we'll definitely add to the show. So, uh, and we are working on something for you guys uh, that I think we're going to wait a couple weeks. We're going to, we're going to let you stew as to what that's going to be. Um, but we do have something in the works that uh, we're going to be adding to the 602 Club repertoire here. Uh, and I think it's going to be really fun, especially in light of everything we've done here. So, But, uh, John, as we leave them on that, uh, you know, 
titillating note, where can people find you? Well, it's been a very long time since I've titillated anybody, so I'm thrilled to do that. <laughs> you can find me as Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. Uh, Vero, Letterboxd, Goodreads, um, you know, I, I sample all of the, all of the, the arts. I, I have absolutely no filter. I will watch and read anything from anywhere, uh, for just about any reason. So sometimes it could be fun to connect on those levels. You can uh, also find me over on the Nerd Party, uh, co-hosting a show called House Lights, where we look at the works of directors, sort of the way we've done with um, Snyder Cuts. You know, we go through and we, we look at the, the works of directors. We examine their careers. And you can also find me on a Star Wars podcast called Aggressive Negotiations, which I co-host with uh, my friend and fellow Jedi Master, Matthew Rushing, who's actually speaking to us right now. I sure am, or at least I think I am. Um, you could find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. I am here on the network, of course, on the Main Six Hundred Two Club show with Christy, as we're talking about all those fandoms we love, and of course, the same feed you're getting this show in as well. You could find me on the Orb as well as Literary Treks. Uh, the Orb is about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And over on the Nerd Party Network, uh, not just doing aggressive negotiations, but we are wrapping up legitimately the Harry Potter series. Uh, we have three episodes left as of this recording, and we're bringing the series so close as we've walked through one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us. This is Snyder Cuts. Snyder Cuts.